Book Four, Chapter Three of Henrietta Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robin Cotter. Henrietta Temple by Benjamin Disraeli. Book Four, Chapter Three, containing the arrival at Ducie of a distinguished guest. It was about three weeks after Ferdinand Armine had quitted Ducie that Mr. Temple entered the breakfast-room one morning, with an open note in his hand, and told Henrietta to prepare for visitors, as her old friend, Lady Bellair, had written to apprise him of her intention to rest the night at Ducie, on her way to the north. "'She brings with her also the most charming woman in the world,' added Mr. Temple with a smile. "'I have little doubt Lady Bellair deems her companion so at present,' said Miss Temple." whoever she may be but at any rate i shall be glad to see her ladyship who is certainly one of the most amusing women in the world this announcement of the speedy arrival of lady bellair made some bustle in the household of ducie bower for her ladyship was in every respect a memorable character and the butler who had remembered her visits to mr temple before his residence at ducie very much interested the curiosity of his fellow-servants by his intimations of her lady's eccentricities "'You will have to take care of the parrot, Mary,' said the butler, "'and you, Susan, must look after the page. "'We shall all be well cross-examined as to the state of the establishment, "'and so I advise you to be prepared. "'Her ladyship is a rum one, and that's the truth.' "'In due course of time a handsome travelling chariot, "'emblazoned with a viscount's coronet, "'and carrying on the seat behind a portly manservant "'and a lady's maid, arrived at Ducie.' they immediately descended and assisted the assembled household of the bower to disembark the contents of the chariot but mr temple and his daughter were too well acquainted with lady bellair's character to appear at this critical moment first came forth a stately dame of ample proportions and exceedingly magnificent attire being dressed in the extreme of gorgeous fashion and who after being landed on the marble steps was for some moments absorbed in the fluttering arrangement of her plumage, smoothing her maroon pelisse, shaking the golden riband of her emerald bonnet, and adjusting the glittering pelerine of point device that shaded the fall of her broad but well-formed shoulders. In one hand the stately dame lightly swung a bag that was worthy of holding the great seal itself, so rich and so elaborate were its materials and embroidery, in the other she at length took a glass which was suspended from her neck by a chain cable of gold, and glanced with a flashing eye, as dark as her ebon curls, and as brilliant as her well-rouged cheek, at the surrounding scene. The green parrot in its sparkling cage followed next, and then came forth the prettiest, liveliest, smallest, best-dressed, and stranger-than-all, oldest little lady in the world. Lady Bellair was of childlike stature, and quite erect, though ninety years of age. The tasteful simplicity of her costume, her little plain white silk bonnet, her grey silk dress, her apron, her grey mittens, and her Cinderella shoes, all admirably contrasted with the vast and flaunting splendour of her companion, not less than her ladyship's small yet exquisitely proportioned form, her highly finished extremities, and her keen, sarcastic grey eye the expression of her countenance now however was somewhat serious an arrival was an important moment that required all her practised circumspection there was so much to arrange so much to remember and so much to observe the portly serving-man had advanced 
and taking his little mistress in his arms, as he would a child, had planted her on the steps. And then her ladyship's clear, shrill, and now rather fretful voice was heard. "'Here! Where's the butler? I don't want you, stupid!' addressing her own servant. "'But the butler of the house, Mr.'s butler. What is his name, Mr. Two-Shoes' butler? I cannot remember names. Oh, you are there, are you? I don't want you. How is your master? How is your charming lady? Where is the parrot? I don't want it. Where's the lady?' "'Why don't you answer? Why do you stare so? "'Miss Temple! No! Not Miss Temple! "'The lady, my lady, my charming friend, Mrs. Floyd! "'To be sure so, why did you not say so before? "'But she has got two names. "'Why don't you say both names, my dear?' "'continued Lady Belair, addressing her travelling companion. "'I don't know your name. "'Tell all these good people your name, your two names. "'I like people with two names. "'Tell them, my dear, tell them.' "'Tell them your name, Mrs. Thingabob, or whatever it is, Mrs. Thingabob Two-Shoes.' Mrs. Montgomery Floyd, though rather annoyed by this appeal, still contrived to comply with the request in the most dignified manner, and all the servants bowed to Mrs. Montgomery Floyd. To the great satisfaction of this stately dame, Lady Belair, after scanning everything and everybody with the utmost scrutiny, indicated some intention of entering, when suddenly she turned round. "'Man, there's something wanting.' I had three things to take charge of, the parrot and my charming friend. That is only two. There is a third. What is it? You don't know? Here, you man, who are you? Mr. Temple's servant. I knew your master when he was not as high as that cage. What do you think of that? Continued her ladyship with a triumphant smile. What do you laugh at, sir? Did you ever see a woman ninety years old before? That I would wager you have not. What do I want? I want something." "'Why do you tease me by not remembering what I want? "'Now I knew a gentleman who made his fortune by once remembering what a very great man wanted. "'But then the great man was a minister of state. "'I dare say if I were a minister of state instead of an old woman ninety years of age, "'you would contrive somehow or other to find out what I wanted. "'Never mind, never mind. "'Come, my charming friend, let me take your arm.' "'Now I will introduce you to the prettiest, the dearest, the most innocent and charming lady in the world.' She is my greatest favorite. She is always my favorite. You are my favorite, too, but you are only my favorite for the moment. I always have two favorites, one for the moment and one that I never change, and that is my sweet Henrietta Temple. You see, I can remember her name, though I couldn't yours, but you are a good creature, a dear good soul, though you live in a bad set, my dear, a very bad set indeed. Vulgar people, my dear. They may be rich, but they have no ton." "'This is a fine place. Stop! Stop!' Lady Belair exclaimed, stamping her little foot and shaking her arm. "'Don't drive away. I remember what it was. Gregory! Run, Gregory! It is the page! There was no room for him behind, and I told him to lie under the seat. Poor dear boy! He must be smothered. I hope he is not dead. Oh, there he is. Has Miss Temple got a page? Does her page wear a feather?' "'My page has not got a feather, but he shall have one, because he was not smothered. "'Here, woman, who are you?' "'The housemaid. I thought so. I always know a housemaid. "'You shall take care of my page. "'Take him at once, and give him some milk and water. "'And, page, be very good, and never leave this good young woman unless I send for you. "'And, woman, good young woman, perhaps you may find an old feather of Miss Temple's page. "'Give it to this good little boy, because he was not smothered.' End of Book 4, Chapter 3